At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast, but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, these 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Megan Stratton and Anna Swanson of Backyard Growers to talk about their experience with school and community gardens. Megan is a student at Binghamton University and was drawn into the world of food and agriculture as a powerful way to address a range of current environmental, social, and ethical issues. After graduating with a self-designed degree focused on sustainable food systems, she moved to Gloucester to join Food Corps. As a two-term Food Corps service member, Megan has been involved in all aspects of Backyard Growers' school garden programs. Anna graduated from the College of William and Mary with a BA in Africana Studies and a minor in Environmental Studies. Looking for a way to integrate her desire to work for social justice and her interest in environmental sustainability, Anna became Backyard Growers' first Food Corps service member in the fall of 2013. After her year of service, she moved back to her hometown of Philadelphia where she taught farm, food, and nutrition classes on the farm and in Philadelphia schools. Welcome to the show today, Megan and Anna. Hi, thanks. Hi. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, sure. We're happy to, Anna. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so I, as we said, I graduated from William & Mary in 2013 down in Virginia and through a series of, of funny linked human contacts, I basically ended up searching Food Corps and found that and applied to Massachusetts in general. They didn't have one in Virginia. At the time, Food Corps was not in in Virginia or in Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Uh So I threw in my application to Massachusetts, and um, Lara, our executive director, 
picked up my application and and decided to take a chance and let me join Backyard Growers as our as a food corps service member. At the time, Backyard Growers was just Lara Lepianca as our as the executive director and only staff backyard growers. So I joined her as as the the second backyard growers person and um, nice. and that allowed backyard growers to we expanded into the schools last that year we did a pilot school program and um, that was a lot of my focus as well as our backyard garden program at that time um, was pretty big we were accepting 15 30 new families each year and mm-hmm. continuing on families 30 families from the last year so we had a lot on our, on the plate of two people um uh-huh. so we, we got a lot done but i it was pretty unmanageable when i finished my service year in 2014 moved back home to philadelphia worked there for a while and this past february lara called or i was in touch with lara and she said i'm you know i have my first staff position open ever would you like to apply and so i did and up here and was shocked to find that we now have an office and and many people working with us and uh-huh. for us and we've just so expanded and it was it was really exciting to see the beginning and to see where we are now nice so that's my story nice. <laughs> yeah. megan I found out about Food Corps through someone right as I was graduating college and applied. Massachusetts just seems like a really cool, like well, there's a lot of cool things going on. A lot of the organizations seemed really interesting. And Anna, and I think, was part of selecting me. Thanks, Anna. And I came up uh-huh. to Gloucester, took over for her when she went back to Philadelphia. And I got to inherit a lot of programs that Anna had started and then really expand and go into a lot of different school settings. And we expanded to the middle school and the high school, and then we went and just expanded down to the preschool and started doing a lot more farm-to-school work, which was what I was really interested in. And then when I was wrapping up my service term was around the same time that Laura was looking at getting some different staff on, and she asked me to stay on and to be our school programs manager. So I just kind of took a couple of days off and <laughs> kept going. Kept going. There you go. There you go. So you've mentioned the the term food core several times. Tell us what that is, yeah. please. Food core is part of the AmeriCorps Service Network, and it's a national team of AmeriCorps service members serving in I think I think it's 17 states now, over 200 service members, and they go into schools, they work with schools and nonprofits, and they do school gardens, and they really just try to connect kids to healthy food and help them grow up healthy through school gardens, through teaching about schools, or food and nutrition in classrooms, and by trying to bring more local food into cafeterias. It's a really cool program. Interesting. And We're it's, big fan. And it's part of AmeriCorps. Yeah, it's part of the AmeriCorps Service Network, so it's got a lot of its own... I think it's only 20% funded by AmeriCorps. Uh-huh. I think that that's the number. But they benefit, like our service members benefit. We still have a Food Corps service member. They benefit a lot from being part of the AmeriCorps service network and then also have a lot of really amazing resources for themselves as being kind of a part of a smaller service organization that has mm-hmm. really great professional development, connections in the food world with a lot of the other big food school gardening names. Got it. So underneath the AmeriCorps umbrella is Food Corps, and underneath that is the program that you ladies are working on, which is called Backyard Growers. 
Well, Backyard Growers is its own independent nonprofit, and then we have a food core service member who uh, we're like a we partner with food core. Got it. We also have three Mass Lift service members, which is a state just like a Massachusetts statewide AmeriCorps program. Uh-huh. Excellent. So, tell us about Backyard Growers. Yeah. So Backyard Growers was started in 2010 as part of the Cape Ann Farmers Market. And it really just started with our executive director, Lara Lepianca, um, lived downtown in the heart of Gloucester, and she and her family had started growing. They, they, 2008, they tore up their lawn and started growing a ton of in their lawn. And so neighbors started passing and questioning what was going on, what, how can we do this? And so in 2010, she officially fundraised to build 10 gardens for 10 of her neighbors in their backyards. And that was kind of the start of our backyard garden program. Wow. Um, and from there, she kept accepting more and more each year. Like I said, in 2013, I came on as a, a second to her. And we and that allowed us to really move into She was already kind of experimenting with school gardens and school garden programming at uh, the school where her kids went. But then with the addition of my help, we were able to expand that uh, district-wide to all the elementary schools there. And... We the community garden program kind of came out of the backyard garden program, and that a lot of them were a lot of the community gardens were just kind of incorporated into the backyard garden program before, and then just recently, I think in 2014 or 15, we made that its own program, um, which has now nine gardens that are either with partner organizations like the food pantry, so all the food goes into the partner organization, or they are community gardens of the more traditional variety where they are individual plots and so yeah so that's kind of where our story began and we have done we do all sorts of other things within those programs now like a lot megan focuses a lot on farm to school work Uh getting local food into the cafeteria and i do a lot of community workshops and things like that Um, but those are three core programs and kind of their beginning Nice. In, in our community in Gloucester. So it started as a uh, truly a backyard program and has expanded into the schools. Yeah, yeah. So why is why is it so important? And I know this might sound obvious, but why is it so important to get our young people uh, educated and inspired into growing food? I could take that. For me, it has a lot to do with things that I come across in whenever we're in schools of kids not believing us when we tell them that their cheeseburger came from a cow or not believing us that pepperoni is meat, stuff like that. Uh (laughs) And it's just really important for them to understand that their food has a source and that it comes Mm -hmm. from somewhere, that it grows, and that then the difference between eating a carrot and eating a bag of chips or eating like a whole food versus something that doesn't doesn't look at all like where it came from anymore. Um, so just to kind of to help them develop their own food ethic and figure out how to how to drive their eating throughout their lives, and also it's a really great way it's a great way to engage kids in being outside and in caring about the environment and in just a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I have found that if you get a, a young person to grow something, they will eat it no matter what. And if you put it on their yeah. plate from the grocery store and look at it like, uh, you know, Brussels sprouts, they kind of look at it like, uh, I don't even think so. But if they grow it, they're going to eat it. Have you found that? 
Absolutely. I mean, we'll have kids that we go into their lunchroom and they won't eat something like broccoli if it's on their tray. Uh And then we grow it with them and they're standing next to a garden, like eating, like picking off little pieces of broccoli off of a plant and eating them. And a great thing about that, too, is that we've even had people stop by in our office. We had a mom come in and say that her daughter was part of one of our middle school after school programs and Uh say that, like, I can't remember the exact quote, but that like she had always had so much trouble getting her daughter to eat eat vegetables but now she'll try anything and she'll just eat whatever vegetables go on her plate and that's been because she's been growing food and cooking in the after school program and that was really incredible and it's great because then that girl who goes home then she can and then when she's asking for those vegetables or when she's encouraging her siblings to eat them or she's encouraging her parents to buy them and it can really create a really a big change but just getting kids to be a little bit more excited and a little bit more interested in eating those foods yeah so what are the goals of Backyard Growers? Our goal, so like our mission statement goal, is to reshape Campion's relationship with food. And for us, that's a really big systemic thing. We want That's why we have our community gardens. That's why we have our backyard gardens and school gardens, because we're trying to really change the way people see their food and understand their food and also give them some power over growing their own food and uh-huh. of having really high-quality, really delicious, fresh vegetables and sometimes fruits to eat and for us that's it really is a system and it's trying to not only just bring a food in for a kid to try once but then to try to get it on their tray and their lunch and get them to be studying that in a really positive way in their gym class or in their science class or whatever that is so for us that's really big and then also partnering with a lot of different organizations like Anna was saying we have some community gardens that are at parks that then Uh involve whoever walks through that park and whoever live next to the park and then we have some that are at a food pantry that serves one in six Gloucester residents that allows everyone who comes through that food pantry to see the garden and to see food growing so that it really has a big effect when then our kids who get this in school then walk past their garden on their way out of school and then walk past another garden on their way home and then maybe even have a garden at their house too it can really make a big change (laughs) excellent excellent so I always love this kind of next question there has to be in in the years that you have put it both of you have put into this project there has to be a few moments that just have you stop maybe catch your breath maybe bring a little tear to your eyes because something connected for somebody you got one of those yeah absolutely that's that's the best part of the job right yeah (laughs) um for me, there are a couple, couple standout moments, one kind of story and then just a, a moment that I'll talk about. But back when I was a service member in 2013, 2014, leading an after-school program that we partnered with the YMCA, one of our schools, to do. And it was, one of, it was a program that was kind of drop-in style, so you never quite knew who, what kids were going to be there, uh-huh. what ages, how many. So activities were a little bit planned to ha- or hard to plan, and I, one day in May, I planned a particularly aggressive schedule for planting our whole garden that day with mm-hmm. the students, and it was the end of May in Massachusetts, so it was 40 degrees and cold and raining, and it we all went out, trudged outside, and I think there were, like, two kindergartners, a third grader, and a fifth grader or something, right? Like, just a total variety of ages. And um, I had all these seeds and all these transplants and our seedlings, and I, and I had a, a, good, a great plan, but as usual, things started going awry. 
early. The kids were pretty ha- rough with the with the seedlings and the seeds. I could just I was just looked over and just watched the carrot seeds just blowing out like mm-hmm. beautifully out of the kindergartner's hand all over, and I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, and so frustrated, and started working with one of the kids to show them how to transplant properly and meanwhile kind of it diverted my attention away from the rest of the kids and I was solely focused on this one and this one transplant and I I looked up and kind of frustrated and I looked over and the fifth grader was had moved over next to the kindergartners and was holding the seeds and teaching them how to plant these carrot seeds in little rows and 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 just helping them and it was just this moment of like Wow, I I don't know if I did something right or the universe did something right, but this is it was really nice. It yeah. was just you know this old who didn't know the kindergartner and was passing on this knowledge that that they had learned and that's when you know yeah that what you're doing yeah, so. that what you're doing is the right thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that so that that felt pretty good yeah. and. Just from going away and coming back to Gloucester and seeing backyard growers in its infancy and and to now, something that has just warmed me and and warmed my love for the job is just how recognizable backyard growers is around town now. When I wear my shirt with our logo on it, Mm -hmm. I have students who I've never met in my life coming up to me. You, you're the garden ladies at my school, <laughs> and and that's so cool that we're yeah. we're known now throughout our town, and that that definitely wasn't that way before. So it's really cool to see that evolution. Yeah. But I'll let Meg her, her <laughs> stories. I know she has many from the schools. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> One of my favorite moments actually just happened. I think in like my first two weeks of service, right as I was kind of Anna was training me and I was taking things over and. We were doing a taste test at one of our schools, at Veteran Elementary School, and there was this table of boys that I just couldn't, like, they just had no interest, a couple of them had no interest in trying what we were doing. And I was about to go over, after I had gone to the rest of the lunchroom, I was about to go back over and give it one more try and get this little boy to try this, probably potatoes or something like that, that, was, huh. that he wouldn't, that he would just wouldn't try some roasted potatoes and carrots, nothing too scary. And I was a approaching the table when his friend leaned over him and he goes you know you have to try things if you're or, or you're never going to find out what you like and it was just this perfect little moment that's like mm. parroted on like sucor training materials or in what we try to do all the time but it came it, it had nothing it had nothing to do with me it was just came right out of this kid's mouth and it might have been his parents who had taught him that or it might have been anna the last year at backyard growers but it was just really cool to see that that was already happening and that that was already something that was an idea that was circulating with these kids and that they were encouraging each other, not like not just me being there in like a funny outfit with a squash costume or something like that, but that they were really embracing it and making it part of their own culture. Wow. So my next question for you is what makes backyard growers unique? And I suspect you just planted the seed for answering this question with your two shares right there. I think what makes Becker Girls really unique is that it's become, it's really grown, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's grown really organically. And that came out of Laura starting this and starting this as just her own, growing with her own family and just growing food to take, to, to take control over her food and to have access to really good food and then people seeing it and then her neighbors asking it and then that becomes our, our backyard growers program. And then 
the school, her the principal at her daughter's school sees it, and she asks, says, hey, like, can you take over this garden too? Mm-hmm. And then she starts doing, and then our school programs d- evolved, and then community people start seeing it and being interested in gardening and say, like, oh, you guys are the garden people, and then asking us to do their community gardens. So yeah. I think that that's a really cool thing that it's really been out of, not only out of Gloucester's need, but out of request often of people yeah. being like, oh, like just seeing what we were doing, being interested and asking us to do it. And because of it happening like that, I think a lot of our programs are really designed not in a way of that, like we are just sitting in our office, like saying like, you know, it'd be really cool if we did this and this and this and this, but it really comes out of that need and that request. So like our school programs came out of, are there already being some, some gardens that existed and then weren't being like really fully used and Laura going and looking at it and saying, well, I don't really have that much time. Like, I don't really even know that much about gardening. And there's not that much time when the kids are in school that they can even grow things. And, like, I don't want to be here pruning tomato plants every week of the summer. And so she designed our programs, which is our Salad Days and Fall Harvest Days program, that allows for two full seed to fork experiences. So the kids plant, harvest, and eat two crops every year. Oh, and then nice. we do that by doing a really quick one in the spring right before they go for summer vacation, and then they plant something before they leave for summer and harvest it when they get back. So that's two wow. full things, even wow. though they're only really in school for, say, like two to maybe three months, that maybe about three months that they can, really, can actively be growing in Massachusetts. And it's things, we grow things that are like squash and carrots and potatoes that don't require a lot of pruning or a lot of weeding. Or, like, if a parent forgets to go water that week, they'll still be fine. So, like, a lot of our programs are just developed in this almost, some Laura says, this Spartan way that allows them to really anticipate problems before they happen so that we're not, we don't, have, like, have no parents that don't know how to prune and because we don't do plants that you need to prune, things like that. That really helps. So then when we now consult with our programs, they're really, it's really easy to help them fit in because they're anticipating these problems. Yeah. And a lot of it, it sounds like, comes out of inspiration. There's a lot of inspiration in the work that you do. I would like to think so. Yeah. Well, that's apparent in your sharing. That's absolutely apparent in your sharing. So what are some of the challenges that you face in your work? I think one of our our challenges for the community program side is just, you know, we we work with people a lot and people uh, it's it's challenging to work with the diverse groups that we work with. We work with seniors and senior centers. We work with people who who primary languages aren't English. We work with people who have different food cultures and children and families and single people. So we're just constantly working with a, um, a different array of people that, that face different challenges and that are interested in different things. And it's just a challenge for us personally because we want to meet everybody where they're at and yeah. we want to figure out how to get everybody, you know, getting people involved and interested in our programs, different kinds of people has been, has been a challenge. We are until recently all of our people at our office were primary English speaking. So developing all the tools that we needed to reach out to people who did not speak English as their first language was something we took on this year. And working with seniors, it's we figured out quite early that, that seniors don't check Facebook reg- regularly <laughs> or, or yeah. go on to, you know, they might not even have emails. So our strategy for reaching out to them about our workshops and about our gardens has to be a little bit different. 
So it's just it's just about constantly changing our methods and trying to really be very in touch with what is and is not working with working um, when we're you know working with different sets of people. Um, and that can be hard, but it's also part of what is fun and interesting to me and and part of my job is I like working with people and and trying to get over some of those hoops and barriers with with different populations. So yeah, yeah that's a challenge that we face on the community side, but I know Megan has has some things that they challenge on the school side too. Yeah, the schools are a lot of fun, um, but they're also pretty challenging, especially the way that we try to go about our school programs, and that is that we try to not just have the kids come visit us out in the garden and have it be our garden that we're maintaining. So we try to really make it something that belongs to the school and also something that isn't just limited to the garden. Like Anna said before, we're doing a lot of farm-to-school programs. So we're working constantly with teachers and students and administrators and parents and kitchen staff and navigating this national school lunch program and navigating different unions that are involved in educational standards and time spent on learning and all these different things and all these different rules that we have to play by if we want to go into the school and not just have our own little garden outside. So it's definitely challenging to deal with all of that. There's just a lot of different factors that you're always balancing and you want to make sure that you do something in a way that is impactful and sustainable and is really going to be something that isn't just us asking a teacher to do something extra, but that's helping a teacher teach about phase changes by by showing their kids that popcorn is like a phase change and it's a chemical or it's a reaction and really really actually helping and providing a different tool as in gardening and in studying food and then i think that really when we do that it's harder but it has a much bigger potential for to like help have these kids understand that food is such a big part of their lives and really understand it in a really holistic way Yay. So <laughs> what are some of the new and interesting things that you're trying these days? On the community side, uh-huh. we have moved out into the world of, of workshops and um, oh, nice. events. Uh, before, we were very much focused on very much focused on, on the garden building and garden training and getting people out and into their gardens. And um, we're trying to take a more holistic view. I know we've used that word a lot, but trying to have events and workshops for people that that are beyond just the planting part and getting them to use their produce. So we started cooking workshops and we started, we had an awesome partnership in January with a local business, Pigeon Cove Ferments, um, that they did a two-part series on fermentation that was really well attended and people really liked. So trying to do that along with the, you know, how to trellis tomatoes and and um, we're doing a cool collaboration with Rocky Neck Art Gallery right now where we're kind of fusing the art world and the gardening world and we're doing pressed flower workshops and seed starting workshops and things like that. So really trying to think about how people, how we can engage people in their food and in their environment in um, a wider, a wider way. Cool. On the school side, we have a really big, pretty new partnership with um, The Open Door, which is a hunger relief organization we've mentioned a couple times that we partner with across the board. Them and Gloucester Public Schools, and we are all in a grant partnership that got a USDA Farm to School grant. So we're doing a, we call it the Gloucester Farm to School Project. So we're trying to really deepen what we're doing in the schools and connect 
kind of all three of those entities and what we're all doing, obviously, with the schools. Um, so for us, it's the school gardens. It's bringing more of a food systems focus to our lessons that we're teaching. So we mm. have the kids, the first graders, six-year-olds, trace a tomato from where it's grown to how it's shipped and to how it gets to them in their plate and talk about the energy that's involved, talk about wow. the experience of the farmer in when they go to a farmer's market or where they have like a local tomato or when it's, you know, traveling across the country and then what it's like for them as the eater and kind of really expanding that and then doing harvest of the month taste tests and things like that. We have done those for a few years, but I think by the end of this school year, we'll be doing seven of them in the course of the year, which is really cool. Where we started doing like one a year, maybe two a year. And then we even are now getting some things on the different school menus and like really getting the food service director is is getting some local food kind of just day to day, which is really incredible. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at adding some nutrition curriculum. So there's just a lot of different things that now that that partnership is allowing us to do in the schools. Nice. So a big part of what you're about is education. Absolutely. And also really making sure that it's education, but that it's not just us coming in and talking about how we like to cook our food or how we like to grow our food and getting people who are from this community or to really inspire, like you said, inspire what we do and have someone like we did on the school side, we did, we had a local farm, well, we had a farmer who came in and helped teach our kitchen staff, our kitchen managers and a lot of the cooks how to make a butternut squash mac and cheese, which was really fun. And he just able to come from a different side because he used to be a chef he's a farmer he grows food so it was able to really bring a lot of different perspectives to that that weren't just our own nice so here's an interesting question do you have a phrase that defines or encourages your work yes um (laughs) we we have several that float around our office i think um one that is long-standing and I was taught way, way back when I first started at Backyard Growers is a post-it note that lives above Lara's, our executive director's desk that says, stay funky. So <laughs> we try and really, the, the funkiness is more speaking to the fact that we are a small grassroots community organization. So we're, we might not do things in the traditional way that a nonprofit who's, you know, expansion might look different to us than another nonprofit or, you know, outreach and marketing might look different to us than to other ones. So we're trying to really think about and say with our roots of just Lara reaching out to her neighbors and and talking about holding a neighborhood potluck and things like that, just trying to keep keep it on that level. Well, and it's worth mentioning that our executive director, Lara, also has a Master of Fine Arts. So a lot of our She'll say that, like, our, the whole thing is, like, a grand artistic experiment for her at times. And it's, <laughs> she'd be like to do things in a way that it's a beautiful garden space. So, like, our office is lime green. Like, you know, you know when you walk in what we do. There's huge vegetable cutouts everywhere. And, it, like, a, or we have a mandarin tree in the window. Like, yeah. it's kind of a funky place to work, but it's a lot of fun. Stay funky, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one we have is, it's one of my favorite is make it do all the things. I think that Laura has said that to me at least a hundred times in my two and a half years here. And that's always just a reminder for us that if you're going to do a program, make sure it's meeting a lot of different needs. Or if you're going to ask a teacher to do something when they're already like really, really, really busy, then make sure it's helping them and it's helping us and it's helping the kid and it's doing a lot of different things like that. 
In permaculture, we call that stacking functions. Aha, that's a good one. Yeah, so look that up. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Yeah, so I think speaking to backyard growers' experience, I wouldn't necessarily failed is a little strong for this, but I would say a big lesson we learned in an area that we saw that we needed to to improve for sure was, I I spoke to it a little bit before, was that we had gotten really good at building people gardens and training people on growing their food. And we were starting to see and starting to hear feedback that we were less good at teaching people how to use that produce. So. I saw this firsthand when I went to a one of our backyard gardeners gardens. I had been having trouble getting in touch with them for most of the growing season, and I finally got there around August, and I saw that in their whole 4x8 raised garden bed, they had grown one Swiss chard plant that was the size of a small bush. Like, it yeah. was enormous. Yeah. I mean, two-foot-long leaves, and because it had had all this room, and right. and they had no idea what to do with it. They right. were like, we planted this thing, and it grew, and now, now what? I don't, now what? Um, and so I talked to them and, ta- and told them how to use it and told them how to, you know, better use their space a little bit, and but so this year... 2016, last summer, we started a cooking workshop series um, focused on picking food straight out of the garden and prepping it and making something delicious in very little time. Just thinking super economically about about your produce. You you don't want your garden to become this chore, like, I want to harvest these carrots, I want to wash them off, and I want to have them on my family's dinner table in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. What can I do? And so we partnered with some local chefs to do that, and... We got we got fairly good turnout. Like like I said, this the workshop thing was new for us, so people didn't necessarily know us for teaching cooking and teaching workshops, and we were just the garden people at this point. So that was definitely a box that we had kind of put ourselves in, and and we're we figured we're trying to figure that out now. And I think that that's been a huge step for us in the right direction. I think we got a lot of positive feedback from from both adults and kids who came to these workshops yeah. and had a blast and learned something. So I can say that's, that's something that we've learned. That is, that is a huge piece of it. Cause you, you, I tell people this all the time, you know, only 50% of the whole process is growing something. The other 50%, if you're, you know, just going to eat it, you've got to pick it and prepare it and, you know, figure out what to do with it. And people have, they don't have that knowledge. So that's awesome that you're, yeah you're sharing that with them so what do you consider your biggest success for me i think i've almost already said this but for me one of our biggest success is we we had this little this girl named ella in some of our after school programs Mm -hmm. and for a while i had some trouble engaging her and getting her to participate in our cooking activity or really get excited about what we were doing and in my this is my first term i over spring break went around and was building the backyard gardens and I found out that one of them was at her house. So when she got back from spring break and she came out to plant salad, she was like, she, she was like, oh my God, guess what? There's a garden in my backyard. And I was like, oh my God, guess what? I built that garden. And she was so excited and she was so happy and it really kind of pulled her in. And then in June, when they went to, to harvest their salad, uh-huh. she, she's got this great personality, this girl, little girl. She, 
kind of like I was starting the intro and she's like, I don't know how to do this. And just stepped up and led her class through this. And I kind of just stepped back because I was like, this is way better coming from you. And she taught them how to do that. And this girl shows up at cooking workshops. She shows up at our seedling sale. And it's her garden. Like, that garden is her garden. And it's got decorations. It's got, like, little glittery butterfly things and pinwheels and things like that. And I think that that's just incredible. When every time I see her, she's telling me what's growing in her garden. Or when I go in for a taste test, she's always willing to try whatever we've got for yeah. her so whether it's roasted butternut squash or whether it's a green smoothie or it's corn chowder with local carrots or whatever it is she is willing to try it and she's excited about it and she's teaching her classmates the same thing nice turning her in, turning her into a teacher turning her into a backyard grower that too <laughs> that too wow so i want to hear from both of you on this one what drives you for me what drives me in both my career and at, at Backyard Growers, I think, um, well, I'll speak specifically to what, why I just, I love working here and what we're doing here. I think that what we're, uh, you know, Meg said it in the beginning, what we're doing is, is almost 100% community driven. It's by the community, it's for the community, and it's really at least in my experience, it's been it's been hard for me. I, I'm from outside Philadelphia, which is a huge region, like this five county region, and trying to find what it, what is your community in that is is challenging. And here at Backyard Growers and in Gloucester and Cape Ann, it's it's very clear to me who you know. We just have such community support. Everybody knows us. We partner with so many local community organizations. We really are taking what we're doing and trying to think of it in this very holistic way that's a, it's, it's growing, it's teaching workshops, it's partnering with the art organizations in town as much it is, as it is partnering with, with the food pantry and with the homeless shelter. And, so it's really trying to, you know, like our mission says, it's it's really trying to improve Cape Ann's relationship with food. And that's more than just saying, you know, we want to build school gardens and we want to build gardens everywhere in Gloucester. It's really trying to just get people in touch with their food. And I I love that. I love that it, it feels very much like a community effort um, and it's not just like we're, that we're very supported by our community and we're not just out here alone the the people, like you know fighting to get veggies in school like it's it's cool that that we're so supported and yeah. that's kind of what drives me and keeps me going excellent yeah wow i mean i couldn't agree more with that but i guess i should probably come up with my own drive <laughs> shouldn't i for me it's pieces of what i said i mean it's at a very fundamental level, having conversations with some of those same partners, Hunger Relief Partners, um, the Open Door, and the schools, and talking about the kids who aren't eating, who don't have access to school lunch, even though they should, or even though, even if they do have access to it, they don't want to eat it, or they won't eat the really nutritious food that's on the plate that you know that that's one of the only meals or maybe the best meal that that kid's going to have access to all day. So trying to use farm to school and using gardening and using food lessons to get that kid or a lot, like there's a lot of those kids, to eat good food and to then be able to learn and be able to grow up and be able to play with their peers or older kids to be able to play sports after school or do whatever they want to do. So there's that in like a very fundamental level of just making sure that these kids are eating. And then it's the kids who don't know that pepperoni is, from, is a meat. And there's yeah. kids who 
don't, we would take them out to the garden and we tell them that they're going to harvest carrots. And they're like, I don't see any carrots. And they don't know that the green leaves sticking above the, the soil, that the carrots underneath there. And it's connecting all of that and trying to, trying to teach them something about that and yeah. have them then go and have like a more, more of an awareness going forward about that that is what a carrot is, is that it's a plant and it's a root right. and that seeds come from animals, which the animals then eat plants and that all comes from the soil and all of these really simple things that get lost sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think if we rewind it, for me, I know that the way I figured out how broccoli grew is that I bought a broccoli plant 40 years ago and I planted it. And it yeah. was, so it was a self-discovery process. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yay. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there a book that has been inspirational for you in this process? Yeah, I have one that I really stuck with me. I read it in college, and it's a dense read, but it's Foodopoly by Winona Hodder, and it's really introduced me to the whole idea. Well, I don't know, really made, made things, a lot of things make a lot more sense to me, I guess in terms of how our food system got to where it is and how people got to where they have, where, where we are, where they don't know where their food comes from or they don't even know that their food is a, comes from plants, let alone like what region it came from or what the cultural influences are and how our political system or legal system or whatever has made this food system that then drives our middle schoolers to ask us, well, then why isn't, like, if, if that food's healthier, then, like, why isn't that cheaper like why is the unhealthy food less expensive and it's like well <laughs> let's talk about that and that that book really helped me understand that yeah that's foodopoly by winona howder yeah it's h-a-u-t-e-r i think yeah yeah you got it right there's lots of books that, that inspire me i think um the one that i'll speak to was actually a very recent read for me so maybe it did not inspire my initial jump into the food world but I recently read The Dirty Life by Kristen Kimball, um, and it's about her journey from being a New York City living journalist and all the, and moving up and being a farmer in way upstate New York with her husband. And I, I just, I kind of just want to be her. <laughs> and, um, I, I love the idea. I love their perspective on what a farm can look like was it's just fascinating to me and about a farm providing a whole diet and not just um, fruits or not just vegetables or not just meats I love that and I love you know I've gosh I've really run this point into the ground but there the community that she lives in up there it just reminds me a lot of here and reminds me a lot of the support and amazing people that Blair and I worked with in the in the very beginning that helped and still do that helped backyard growers grow into what it is and um, I just love that 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 still exists everywhere it seems so I yeah I was very inspired by that book (laughs) so Megan what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners ooh final piece of advice I would say that a lot of time people come to us, whether it's a parent who wants to start a garden or it's like any, anyone who wants to start a school garden or a community garden, and they're really overwhelmed by the gardening piece. And something that we say here all the time is gardens are easy, people are hard. <laughs> and that really, like, you can, like, Laura will say that she learned about, she learned how to grow food from YouTube. And 
I learned it from her, from watching her, just from, like you said, like getting a plant, getting some seeds and putting them in the ground and seeing what happens and playing with it and trying to understand it as a plant and as a living thing. And the gardening part is just like not that hard. And that really when you're, if you're going to do something like this, really go to the people and pay a lot more attention to that and find your partners. And that's why people sometimes accidentally call us backyard gardens a lot. And our name is Backyard Growers because we really are about people and we're about getting people to be growers uh-huh. and to grow their own food. And it's really about people and then having them understand not only how to grow something, but how to cook it or yeah. how to preserve it or all those things. Beautiful. Anna? I would encourage people to think about purpose all the time when planning anything from a workshop to a a garden, I think the the easiest thing to do with a school garden is to to build a school garden and plant all these vegetables and then walk away for summer break and the, it all goes crazy. Um, <laughs> and right. I think really just thinking about your purpose, what you're planting, who's going to eat that produce, how is it going to be harvested, how is it going to be prepared or given to the people, just really thinking about what is the purpose of whatever I'm doing, and and are we meeting that goal in in however we are creating this event yeah. or garden or whatever? Yeah. yeah, and also just to add to that, just because it's something we do talk about so much at our office, that like the goal and the purpose, but also planning the whole thing with whatever your framework is, whatever your boundaries are, and your in in a way bar- uh, barriers, but like what if you're going to do a school garden you don't want to plant tomatoes and then have them all come in in july or august when the kids aren't there so making sure that the purpose is aligned with what your parameters are is really important beautiful 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 well thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today megan and anna it's been a treat getting to chat with you thanks so much for having us yeah thank you so how can our listeners find out more and get a hold of backyard growers well, the easiest way is our website. It's www.backyardgrowers.org. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram if you want to just see a little bit more about what we do. Perfect. Yeah, I think on, on Facebook we're actually Backyard Growers Program. I think Backyard Growers yeah, was taken. Is. So <laughs> backyardgrowers.org is our website, but Backyard Growers Program is on Facebook, and Backyard Growers is Instagram. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> You can find more show notes on today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash backyard growers. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, these 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. 
You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.